0: 3000. Three,
1: People like you, organizations like Ramp Check, i love you guys. Gotta be down ready now. You are clear for takeoff runway 21 left. Winds are
0: called. Stand by for the free on uniform. It's showtime.
1: Welcome to another edition of the Ramp Check Podcast. I'm Tony Rumfollow. I'm Aaron (laughs) Ruffalo.
2: I always wait for the delay. Sorry. I think we should always go oldest to youngest, and then that way there's no confusion. I'm Ryan. How's it going? Oh, hi, Ryan. Welcome.
3: (laughs) Thank you for joining us. And you being the youngest, you went in order again just fine. Okay. All right.
2: Sounds good. Right. Without clarifying it. How's it going, everyone? Welcome back.
3: (laughs) Welcome back. Hey, one thing I wanted to mention real quick. I'm going to try not to say like so many damn times. I swear, I sound like the biggest amateur on podcasts. I sound so awful. I gotta
2: like—I don't know. You—you said you were gonna work on that back in episode like (laughs) two, and uh, I think you did pretty well for an episode or two, and then you know it kind of went to shit from there. And you were back to saying, yeah. So maybe every time, bit
1: of a break. Maybe every time you say like. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that might be the whole damn show <laughs> yeah
2: yeah we don't want to overplay that but uh, anyway we're back like we said um every other week you We said like <laughs> hey that doesn't apply to me no. right? oh oh just daring yeah, you can
3: use it in the right context
2: yeah exactly right? um anyway before i was so rudely interrupted um just kidding um mm. Yeah, we're back. Uh, We said we were going to try to get one out every other week, so here we are. Here we are. The other week, and welcome to another episode of the Ramp Check
1: Podcast. Today is Tuesday, the 13th of November, 1918, and what happened on this day in history? I don't know, because I didn't look it up. Um, But but just... Okay, so just something interesting that happened, uh, or, or that occurred this month, is mm-hmm. uh, 40 years ago this month, the Airline mm-hmm. Deregulation Act was introduced. and Oh, really? Yeah, so basically what it did is it made it so airlines would be competitive and it would be more cost-effective for the consumer. I was I was reading up on this, and I wanted to talk about it on the podcast, because everybody takes airline travel for granted i mean or aviation and everything else you know the people that you know they take a flight and it was delayed because of weather uh because of a mechanical issue for safety reasons they get all pissed and then they do some kind of a facebook rant or whatever just because they don't know better
2: (laughs) i don't remember talking about that yeah
1: I i don't either but but here's some uh here's some interesting facts Um, of how like the state of airline travel was prior to the airline deregulation act and you remember the ads they were all glamorous you know you had the people in the magazine ads and they're they're sitting there smoking their cigars and drinking their brandy on the airplane and and they're, they're dressed up in a, like a three piece suit and the woman's in yeah. a dress and it was all glamorous. And
3: yeah, they're in the Boeing, like 377 Strato Cruiser. Exactly. The mm-hmm. double decker of the time.
1: The, the DC six, you know, just all those <laughs> crazy older planes and, and yeah, the airplanes have gotten a lot nicer, but it seems like we've gotten a little more casual, um, When we fly, um, (laughs) geez, I remember sitting next to people. It's like, um, did you not check in the mirror before you left for the airport this
3: morning? (laughs) Well, and not only that, all those people that wear flip-flops, you know, don't wear flip-flops when you fly. Talk about a safety hazard. What if, what if you have to egress that airplane super fast? Like what if the airplane is on fire? You have to run down the aisle or screw up your
1: feet. Or what if you are you cutting out like paper dolls or something? It sounds like you're <laughs> using scissors. <laughs> you're like snipping oh. or something. You, you clipping your toenails during the podcast, brother? <laughs> <laughs> it's the connection just went to shit. Okay, I'm. I uh, was well, just gonna say he's not denying it. So, um, but down. anyway, no. The the place you don't want to wear flip flops is if you like have to make a landing like on the Hudson in January um, on a U.S. Airways flight? Yeah.
2: I don't think it matters what you're wearing. If you land in the Hudson in January, you're going to freeze your ass off. I don't think you're going to be like, oh, I shouldn't have worn these flip-flops today as the plane's (laughs) landing in the water.
3: But wouldn't you rather have shoes on? (laughs) Well, yeah, but I mean, imagine if, If uh, there was an emergency and you had to like climb over debris, you had to yeah,
1: broken glass, you know, a a debris filled or so.
3: I mean, it's just for safety. Don't wear flip flops. Yeah,
2: exactly. It's (laughs) and that's our podcast for today, folks. Well, you.
1: That's funny, <laughs> oh, no. but uh, so okay. So getting back to the deregulation thing, um, yeah, yeah. I kind go of got ahead. sidetracked, but so by 1977, only 63 percent of the U.S. population had flown on a commercial airliner. Can you believe wow. that? And just present present day, nearly 90 percent of the population has flown commercially.
3: Oh, definitely. Yeah. And, and I think part of that regulation is airlines like Southwest Airlines probably oh, plays sure. a big role in allowing that 90% to fly just because they keep their airfare,
1: you know, pretty low. Right. Well, and if you look at the history of Southwest Airlines, that was back during that time of deregulation. And, right. You know, exactly. Her, that's that's what I mean. I mean, yeah. they've been around a long time. Well, and Herb Kelleher and his colleagues—they were attorneys, and they were trying to figure out a more convenient way to get from Dallas to San Antonio to Houston. And they just kind of—they were frustrated because their options were limited. Uh, Airline travel was super expensive, and so they're sitting in a in a bar. And they come up with this little triangle diagram on a <coughs> cocktail napkin. And that's basically when Southwest Airlines was born. And, and that well, made that, a lot of changes. That's a perfect example
3: of business. And if it solves a problem, you can usually figure something out and have a pretty cool business. Right, exactly. So that, that's cool that they did that way. I didn't actually know that story about Southwest.
1: Either. Yeah. I had well, no idea. Cool. It was it's kinda of drilled into your head in employee orientation when you start working for Southwest <laughs> Airlines. Yeah, yeah it's
3: probably a lot like working at like Apple or something. It really is. They go they go really deep into the history of the airline, who started it and why, and that's pretty mm-hmm. cool.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. I
3: remember flying on the old seven thirty seven two hundreds from Southwest when you used to work for Southwest and we got buddy passes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. you know those old seven thirty seven two hundreds were the first generation for Southwest. Yeah, they were. They were. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, and I remember flying on those all the time. And
3: oh yeah, and, you uh, land and and looking out the wing, and and you see those big bucket reversers clank open, and, yeah. and all that's pretty <laughs> cool. You know, the
2: only thing, the only thing which isn't a big deal that I've never liked about Southwest was their colors
0: those <laughs> colors
2: for that aircraft are so hideous okay do you know well, what the, the colors the, the were the
3: old brown ones those were the ones. the old brown They're that's what i'm talking now. about
2: it's like the the mustard turd green brown
1: okay <laughs> okay i want you guys i want you guys
2: to close your eyes oh jeez Take a deep breath. I'm not doing that sitting next now, to you. the hell did
3: you, did you do this at employee orientation in or Southwest as well?
1: Are now, hey, now, you sure it was Southwest? Okay, shut the hell up. I'm trying to explain something. Oh, okay. Here. Go ahead. Um, so imagine a sunset in the desert. Okay. And now think about Southwest Airlines colors. Back in the day. (laughs) What? Yeah, I know. Taking a shit in the desert? No, a sunset. Oh, okay. I got it. Just kidding. Anyway. Um, So, also back in 1977, there were 5 million U.S. passenger and cargo flights in 1977. That was the year I was born. Right? It was, wasn't it? Uh, Last year, there were 9.9 million U.S. passenger and cargo flights. So wow, almost that's crazy. That's down just down the down. United States. That's just the United States. So, and that's guess crazy. what? Now this is this is in today's dollars. But guess what? The average round trip fare was uh, back in 1977.
3: Mm, I want to say like six hundred dollars.
1: Uh, All right, you're looking at the website. <laughs> yeah, too? you're looking. You looking at the no, same thing? No, I, I, no, I
2: was gonna I'm say I was gonna say that as a joke because I'm staring at the stat, but you <laughs> hit it right on the
0: head. Yeah, oh, are you serious? Bucks. That's
3: hilarious. No, yep. I'm I'm actually looking at uh, the list of notes for what we were gonna cover today at the show, and oh, not even okay. I, I didn't even know we were gonna talk about. Them. Okay, oh, that's so crazy. let's see. I guess if, I'm if, tuned into aviation.
2: If you get this one exact, I'll be I'll know you're cheating. But what do you think, present day? Average round trip is now domestic,
3: present day domestic average. I want to say 249. Okay, you're okay, so you're coming not on a you're not little looking. low. Three hundred and sixty.
2: is it a little low? Yeah,
1: 363. Okay, We're back 363, in the so 70s. that it's dropped just I don't uh, know, half, just under yeah. half. That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, it's crazy. So so, the Deregulation Act basically eliminated restrictions on domestic routes and new services because um, you remember in the movie The Aviator, right?
3: Yeah. yeah. So,
1: um, Alan Alda's character, uh, Juan Tripp, the owner of Pan Am. Oh, so, no.
3: Uh, Alan Alda was the congressman. Um, it oh, was, that's uh, right. That's right. Juan it was Trip Baldwin, was, that was the. Juan yeah, Trip. Alec
1: Baldwin. Sorry. That's right. Yeah. So, Juan Tripp kinda of dictated to the government who did what and where because he didn't want anybody right. competing with him.
3: Exactly. You know, and he's the one Pan that M. had
1: he's the one that had Alan this character put together all those ridiculous hearings against yes. Hughes. Yes. And, yes. And I yeah.
3: mean the ex- that's a perfect example why limited government is better. Absolutely. Because they should never be regulating shit like that. Right. I mean if they wanna if they wanna make sure airlines you know, keep us safe and, and keep the aircraft in order. You know, I mean, there has to be regulation like FAA and, you know, certain things like that for, for, safety, for and, safety and those things. But, but for as far as for business and commerce, for crying out loud, get the hell out of the way. Yeah. Most of those politicians don't know shit about business. They and don't. so they, they shouldn't even be writing policy about it.
1: Yeah, especially uh, especially aviation. So
0: exactly. Yeah, exactly.
1: And uh, so speaking of uh, safety and regulation of safety, um, I watched uh, Sully again the other night. And yeah, you know what? That's a great movie. And being an aircraft dispatcher. And I just want to quote a few things from the Fars. I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) But but being an aircraft dispatcher and just seeing what they went through like with the hearings and then what happened in the cockpit and when they when they tried to duplicate you know the the landings at Teterboro and Newark and and uh, you know in the simulators and you know they Clint Eastwood he he was spot on with that movie he really got a lot of things aviation related right and you know yeah. we all know that Hollywood just doesn't do that
3: Oh, yeah. For the yeah. most part. Most, right. most, um, most of what they do. Not all, but I mean, right. that's one thing. They definitely need to upgrade their aviation consultants. Maybe they're not even hiring aviation consultants for most of those movies. Um, they should, not. though.
1: It's, it's, it. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, no, I was let's do go a check. Global it.
3: aviation consultant. We, we should.
2: Yeah, we should. We should consult for movies. We're here. Hell, yeah.
1: So you're um, a movie producer?
3: You can hire us. We're there. Right.
1: We won't so, tell you, I
3: promise.
1: So Tom Cruise uh, <laughs> Yeah, Tom Bruckheimer cruise
3: let's uh, do this.
1: Bruckheimer, uh <laughs> Christopher Macquarie, Joseph Kaczynski. You guys <laughs> you guys need a solid aviation uh consultant for your next movie. Uh hell, sure who's, who's cool. directing Captain Marvel? Hey, Bree, if you're listening, Brie. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure she's listening. Miss Larson. Um, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, right. Um, but, and <laughs> it's funny we'd be talking about Hollywood and this and that because uh, uh, I also came across his story, and you send us a link to this too, but you can elaborate on your end. But uh, Christopher McQuarrie is working again with Tom Cruise uh, for some script tweaking um, on Top Gun 2 which is pretty exciting. and uh, That's cool. Because yeah, he's worked totally. with uh, Tom Cruise, obviously, on the last couple of Mission Impossible <coughs> movies. Um,
2: which were badass. Those oh, Mission Impossible yeah. oh, yeah. movies were sweet. Especially the last one.
1: Yeah. And Fallout comes yeah. out on digital a week from today. Cool. Yeah, I'll that's be right. watching that again. So, so today, that's... November 13th, which a week from today would be November 13th. So
2: Tony, Aaron, so that means Tony will be texting us and saying... Mission Impossible's out on 5,000,006 Ultra HD Extra Hardcore I Power.
3: I bought a digital, double, triple gold, <laughs> platinum, <laughs> Blu-ray, magenta, purple haze, UV, amazing look. <laughs> are you guys done?
2: Yes, we're done. You Sorry. guys are assholes. <laughs> we're, just,
3: we're just jealous. I know <laughs> you are. That's oh, you guys can probably it. hear that. I've got I've got little Oliver with me tonight.
1: Oh, there Just it is. For a minute. You can hey. hear him, it's Oliver,
3: too. Hey, buddy.
1: So, so <laughs> did he? Did he try and nurse anyway. from you, and you said negative? Ghost Rider. The pattern is full. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> he's um, he's also complaining about. Uh, he doesn't understand all the Blu-ray talk.
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) I thought he was complaining because his dad doesn't have boobs.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that too. (laughs) Hey, so. Actually, I'm prepared. I have a a bottle on standby just in case he was going to get a little bit rowdy. Well,
1: there you go. That's awesome. Anyway,
3: uh, um, did you have something else to say about the Top Gun? Because I I have
1: something else I needed to say about that. Did you see the cast? Oh, yeah. Jennifer Connolly, I guess, is his girlfriend in the movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, um, uh, Val Kilmer. Uh, yep, he's back. Miles Teller, who I really couldn't give a crap about. Um, <laughs> but uh, Ed Harris.
0: And, oh, Ed Harris uh, is in it?
1: And also the mystery McKenzie brother, Thomason McKenzie.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: whoever that is, but <laughs> well, um, that's pretty cool.
2: I wonder were, who Ed Harris is going
3: to be. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Um, the um, you know the internet, social media, obviously they're continuously posting all kinds of pictures of production, whatever. And there was a production picture up, um, up at the same scene as, as Viper, Tom Skerritt's character in in the first Top Gun. He. Really? Uh, Wait, I guess they're filming a scene up there because they've, they've been filming a lot, like in San Diego and all around that area. Yeah. So and, you said, yeah, with there's there's a Scare? there's a picture, there's a picture of, uh, of it doesn't have Tom Skerritt in it, but it has mm. um, it has like his his view, you know, from his house and everything, you know, from the first movie. Oh wow! So uh, it'd be interesting to see what they're doing there, and um, and then today actually. There's a bunch of set photos of Tom Cruise wearing a high altitude pressure suit, like a U 2 pilot or what an SR 71 pilot would wear. What's so, that all about? Yeah, dude, it, it's weird. It's you hope that they're not going to go too crazy and unbelievable on some of these things. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, he's, and it looks like it's like a crash scene or something because Tom Cruise's makeup, it's all kind of black and like he's, you know, been in some smoke or like some kind of debris or something. But, but yeah, he, go, go look at it. Go on Instagram, you know, uh, go search, you know, Top Gun 2 hashtag. You'll see Tom Cruise is wearing like a dark colored high altitude pressure suit it's really weird so hmm. i'm
1: gonna have to look at that so i called this then um what was it about six months ago on one of our cod our podcasts
3: yeah you're talking about how he's against thanos Is that yeah you're so going?
1: so maverick's gonna face thanos in top gun 2 see <laughs> we just yeah. there's there's the big scoop of the night yeah <laughs> i know <sure>. you
0: might
1: <laughs> you know my my
3: first thought was maybe um you know, after the events of Top Gun, you know maybe they're kind of doing. You know, maybe he did like a, an Air Force program or something where he flew with the Air Force for a while and something happened on that. It's right. just it's weird. I don't know because, I, again, I hope that they do it right mm-hmm. and that they have the right aviation consultants on there because Maverick's not going to be wearing a suit like that in an F eighteen or an f-35 uh yeah. so i hope they get it right What's you the just on never his shoulder? know
2: yeah i'm trying to see i looked at that picture you're talking about aaron and i'm trying to see what the patch on his shoulder says but i can't
3: yeah i know i, make I, it I tried out. to zoom in on that too and i haven't seen i don't think anybody's been able to identify that if you have identified it send us a instagram message um direct message or, or comment on one of our photos Yeah, or, or maybe, we'll uh, po- maybe we'll post something after the podcast or,
1: or tag us in a tweet or something so we can uh, yeah figure yeah, out what tweet that is that so hashtag, speaking of F18s though um, so you sent us a link uh, mm-hmm. what was it earlier this week or last week mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. about um, how they've kind of put the production on hold for a little bit you want to tell us a little bit about that brother
3: yeah, so so there was a story that came out that Tom Cruise and the production team were going to delay a little bit longer so that Tom Cruise could actually learn to fly an F eighteen and actually have some flying in the movie done. But as exciting as that sounds, that's actually a the story is actually incorrect because the Department of Defense came out and said that no civilian can fly a military aircraft.
1: Well, that so kind of seemed like he's a stretch probably me, just, even for Tom Cruise. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's probably just
3: going through that process of going through the training, going, you know, just so he gets the experience of what it's like to be a naval aviator these days. Yeah. Um no, that makes sense. You know, it's probably just something like that. It's, it's not necessarily <clears throat> formal, you know, at the, I mean, you're not going to catch him, you know, flying on his own up there mm. or anything like that. And I think that's what people were, interpreting that to be uh you
1: know so So, anyway so is the is there a specific reason that jennifer conley is playing uh maverick's girlfriend this year other than the fact that kelly mcgillis looks like total hell anymore (laughs) well we'll see the problem if they use kelly mcgillis again everybody would think that it's tom
3: cruise's grandma um because she did she didn't age well for the part she, that she originally she, played. Not trying unfortunately, to knock on her, she but
1: did not. She doesn't look the
0: same.
2: <laughs> I'm just thinking of the the take my breath away scene where their <laughs> tongues are touching, and I'm just picturing like a top <laughs> set of dentures like slipping <laughs> out. Oh, I was going
1: to say, she's like, she's like, wait, wait, wait a second. And she's like,
0: <laughs> and sets them out <laughs> oh, on the that, counter next to the so nightstand.
3: That's so awful. That's so awful
0: but you yeah hear, let, let's you just hear say, a little you, you hear know, a little tom velcro
1: cruise, rip, you, I mean. you hear a little velcro rip and that's her depends coming off
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she,
1: unfortunately unfortunately didn't
3: age well tom cruise doesn't look like he's hardly aged at all i mean he's still no, he doesn't you know he's tom cruise i mean by far my favorite actor in hollywood
1: Oh, okay. you know? when it comes to action i love movies, tom cruise definitely and um Getting back to the whole Thanos thing, um, we all heard the very <laughs> sad news uh, yesterday that uh, Marvel Comics legend Stan Lee passed away, and yeah, uh, no, just wanted to sad. acknowledge that on the podcast, because we're all Marvel comic, you know, Cinematic yeah. Universe nerds, so. What
3: was, it's kind of on the spot, but what, what was your guys' favorite uh, cameo that uh, Stan Lee was, uh, did in all the Marvel movies? what was your favorite cameo
2: Oh man there's so many good ones
3: i have I, i've got the first one on top of my head i'll just say it now what so one it? of you guys don't feel it but it was the part where uh tony stark iron man watched by looking good half oh yeah that
1: was a good <laughs> Remember one. he's dressed like Hugh Hefner oh, yeah. on the red carpet yep yeah. yeah. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> i i uh one of my favorites was in the avengers it's like What's the matter? None of you kids ever see a spaceship before. Yeah, spaceship. <laughs> Isn't he a bus driver? Yes, when he, he was a that, bus driver. Like that What was his
2: <laughs> um, cameo in Deadpool? I'm trying to remember what he did in Deadpool.
1: Oh, let's see. So there was two. Well, in Deadpool um, 2, it was just the uh, wasn't the big mural mural of him on the wall or something. So it really wasn't really a cameo. Was that? Okay, so I'm confused. Was that Deadpool 2, or was that uh, Venom? Uh, I never saw Venom, I, so that would be... Oh, really? Because I... Ryan, did you see Venom?
2: I did see Venom, mm-hmm.
1: So, I'm recalling
3: in Venom that there was, like, a big mural on the side of a building that had Stan Lee's face on it. Is Am I wrong on that? No, no, I think you're right. That I'm was Deadpool 2. But... Yeah, that's the one. Let's see... I think they did that in Venom as well.
2: Yeah, I just I get know. so confused because there were so many of them.
3: Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. and then he's the oh there's, yeah. I'm looking at him right now. If you go to Wikipedia, there's so many good. I mean, it's Stanley just awesome, cameos. classic. Yeah, there's uh, the and then he's that dirty old man in Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> yeah. On Xandar. Yeah. Oh,
3: anyway. but oh, he was oh. also the astronaut. Remember. At
2: the at the very end, oh, yeah. That's right. (laughs) Um, yeah. (laughs) So Tony pulled this up and it reminded me that that's my the most recent one in Ant Man and the Wasp when yeah when he uh and he sees the car shrink and he's like, well, (laughs) the sixties were fun, but now I'm paying for it. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh yeah that's that my a good one. Okay so my favorite one is when he's the FedEx guy at the end of uh Civil War and oh, he's like yeah. I'm looking for Mr. Stank,
0: Tony Stank. <laughs> Tony Stank. Stank. Yeah. Oh Stank. yeah, Brody's
2: like Tony,
1: thank you for that. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. But
1: yeah, uh so yes this okay. is the Ramp Check podcast but you know Rest in peace uh Stan hopefully you're um you're you're up there with uh, all the other superheroes that uh passed at this point and uh Godspeed to you sir. If if it wasn't yeah, for Stanley we wouldn't have uh some of the greatest action movies well, we've seen in a very long time.
2: He's probably one of the only people that can pass away and when he meets God can say, "Hey, I created a universe as well." <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, seriously.
1: <laughs> All right.
2: Anyway, um, um, so, well, cool. So, anyway, just to end and the Top Gun, I guess the 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 release date was July of 2019, but now they're saying it's due to hit theaters in June of 2020. So we've got you yeah, know, that, about a year and a half yeah, on Yeah, we've got one. a little
3: bit of time. And yeah. and the reason they did delay that was just so that they could make sure they got all the, the footage that they wanted mm-hmm. of uh, the aircraft and flying sequences. And So that's really cool. So it sounds like they're going to film a lot of F-18s and F-35s, and then whatever they use for... For a Mig this time around, or or whatever enemy it is, it it's funny because there's plenty of Migs available now. Yeah, there are they weren't available back in the Cold War. A little but they bit a uh, little bit different
1: movie. climate than it was back when the original Top Gun was filmed. So
0: <laughs> exactly, um, yeah, exactly. Oh,
1: and uh, Joseph Kaczynski is directing it. He's directed two of my favorite movies, um, Oblivion. Mm-hmm. Why? Mm-hmm. I don't want to start a whole other subject, but, uh, and, um, Tron legacy. So
0: did he do be, Tron?
1: Yeah. Joseph Kaczynski did Tron legacy. So,
3: oh, that's awesome. I love yeah. that. That's cool. I do too.
1: Anyway. So, um, enough about that. Anything else you guys wanted to chat about news wise? So, so the, the last thing I want to chat about news wise, um,
3: is, uh, you know, obviously that disaster uh, over in—I guess it was Indonesia—that Lion Air seven three seven eight Max that crashed oh, in the yeah. ocean. Oh, I, I read about that. The uh, the elevator trim kept. Um, well, yeah. What 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 investigators are coming up with as of this point was they still haven't found the cockpit voice recorder, but they did find the flight data recorder. Um, and what the flight data recorder showed is the last four flights of that aircraft had had issues with airspeed indication as well as angle of attack. Issues. Right.
0: Oh, that's fine.
3: Right. Yeah. And so what they're thinking was, um, the pilots for whatever reason did not follow procedures for a failed angle of attack sensor. Cause what happens, I guess in the seven, three, seven max, uh, you know, and and I can't get too technical because I don't know the ins and outs of of, of the whole system. I can uh, operate the elevator if you need me to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Seriously, but anyway, <laughs> I guess I guess what happened was the pilots weren't able or didn't figure out in time to disengage the automatic uh, system that adjusts the elevator. If the angle of attack sensor is showing a stall or close to a stall, right? I guess what the system does is it It completely adjusts the elevator trim so that it's nose down so that the aircraft will not stall Right, um, because
1: if it's sensing a stall basically the airflow is uh, exactly. reduced over the wings and so you nose the aircraft down gravity is gonna pull it towards the earth and um, at an angle, though, where you're going to get lift yep. on the wings again. So, yeah.
3: Exactly. You get the air flowing over the wings again. You get some airspeed. Mm-hmm. But I guess what happened is since the the aircraft speed was fine, the angle of attack was, was false. The sensor was false. And so the computer is like, oh, shit, I need to point the nose down. Well, what had happened is I guess the elevator trim went the whole full nose down and the pilots could not recover. And all they did was... Lose altitude and gain airspeed until they hit the ocean. Jeez. So a little scary. Um, you know,
1: you just. Well, I think I. I hate think when I read.
3: something like this happens, you know, especially to a brand new aircraft. This thing mm-hmm. was like two months old or something. Yeah. This yeah. aircraft.
1: Well, I think I read in that article too that whoever wrote it was actually being really critical of Boeing and saying in more words or less that. <laughs> This is a brand new airplane, and Boeing needs to get their shit together, and blah blah blah. Well, it's like you said, Aaron. This had happened on four previous flights, so why wasn't something done? On, well, that's the, you know the, exactly. the, the airline side of things, uh, and, because, and and that's that's
3: why the investigation also investigating Lion Air right um, extensively because Lion Air if you didn't know but for the last decade was actually on a restriction that it couldn't fly to the united states or european destinations because of their safety record right oh i didn't Um, know that and that that was just lifted i I, don't quote me on this but i think it was lifted just like within the last 12 months
1: (laughs) well guess what's coming
3: back yeah well if, if it turns out lion air you know, didn't maintain their aircraft correctly or repair something because the other thing the investigation is finding is the angle of attack sensor was actually replaced before this ill-fated flight. So really, something was going on with that sensor, whether Mm -hmm. it was Lion Air that screwed it up, whether it was the supplier for Boeing, whether it was something Boeing didn't make sure was done in their software we just don't know yet that's what the investigation's doing but right unfortunately bugs have to be worked out on yeah. new aircraft at times and boeing and airbus are both guilty of it
0: mm-hmm. there's
3: been plenty of airbus crashes because of that Oh yeah. um so it's not like boeing shitty and airbus is better or airbus mm-hmm. is shitty and boeing's better i mean i think boeing's better just because i'm you know <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a boeing fan but uh um, you know we'll just time will tell at the investigation to see what the actual cause was but it was probably in this case probably a little bit of human error as well as uh, uh, sensor failure Mechanical, well yeah, yeah
1: and, and to go along with human error there's probably a little bit of a learning curve too
3: yeah for sure
1: yeah well it's unfortunate sure. and uh, um, I know we talk about you know air disasters on the podcast We we just We do because it helps educate people on, you know, why things happen. And and that that airline travel, aviation travel is still the safest uh it is travel out there. So hopefully we don't have a lot of them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: So So hopefully
1: there aren't enough for us to talk about, but when they are, um there will. So um so a new feature on the podcast. Um, is our interview series and um, just because we're so conceited we're going to interview ourselves
3: (laughs) (laughs) well we just thought it was a good idea just so everybody knows you know who we are what we're into our experience in aviation some cool experiences we've had in aviation you know the things that keep us just coming back for more just you know once you get that aviation in your blood it's just it just doesn't go away. And
1: well, and in so, our in our first uh, episode, we kind of gave a rundown. Um, yeah, a quick rundown. And, and to be honest, when we recorded the uh, our first episode of the podcast, um, I don't think we were really planning on recording it. We were just kind of screwing around and seeing how it would sound, and we decided, okay, well, let's just do it. So, so yeah, all three of just, us were exactly. kind of on the spot, and uh, so. <laughs> yeah. We yeah. weren't very thorough in our, um, uh, you know, in our, in our history, in our history our background and background, so. and, and and to be honest, too,
3: you know, I think by doing this little interview series for for all three of us is it'll give us more credibility with all the you guys that are listening to. For everybody right. listening, you yeah, know, I, I mean, we're just so. a couple, just, just because... aviation bums that you know.
0: Yeah, but like, it would
3: give us some credibility, I think, with with some of you guys listening. They're like, "Who the fuck?"
2: Yeah, like, is, <laughs> well, and that's it's like we said in the beginning, you know, when we added up all of our experience together, it was you know fifty plus years. So I mean, yeah, it, we're not just shooting the shit and not knowing anything. We've had a lot of experiences, and um, yeah, and you know, just when we're talking about. Everything to do with aviation. A lot of things can come out of uh, talking about some experiences. So we're gonna give right. it a go, and um, I think uh, we're gonna go with Aaron tonight. Right? Yeah,
1: we're gonna start with so Aaron we decided, first. decided
2: so. Oh um, ah, shucks! Oh shucks! <laughs> um, so hey, I'll I'll just start with the first question, and as we go on to these, I'm sure that um, we will. You know, have different some of the same questions, obviously, but there'll be some different. I I was just trying to think about this when we were doing this, and, or when we decided to do this. And one of the things I thought was, what was like my earliest aviation memory? Like the first thing that really got kind of got put in to my mind, and just mm-hmm. where I'm like,
0: mm-hmm. holy shit,
2: this is cool, and I'm I know this is like a, a love <clears> of mine. Um Maybe just for me, I guess. I don't know. It's just my question. Well, we're
1: interviewing
3: what... me. I was right. going to say, you just <laughs> going to interview yourself, buddy? I said for me, <laughs>
2: if, you, if you fuckers would let me finish my goddamn sentence. Damn, bro. You're getting yeah, no, right?
0: Oh,
1: yeah. man, there's that F word again. <laughs> um, yes, um, so go ahead, brother. What's your question? What...
2: What is your earliest um, memory of aviation? Something that earliest sticks memory. with you. Something that sticks with you that kind of got you into it from the get go?
3: Sure. Okay. So there's two moments I can think of right off the top of my head. Is it probably about the same, I guess, around the same time frame when I was a kid? Uh, I don't know how old I was, maybe eight years old or probably a little bit younger, but. I can remember going to Salt Lake International Airport as a kid. Um, actually, this is when you could go through security and go to the gate no matter what. You didn't need a gate pass or yep, anything yep. like that.
1: Jeez, I remember those um, days.
3: Or a ticket. Yeah, you could actually go. You know, and you go up and uh, Western Airlines was the dominant airline at Salt Lake International. And I can remember as a little kid looking out the window and seeing that big red W. On the aircraft and lots of 737s and Western had DC 10s that were just awesome looking. I can remember that. Um, I also remember as a, as a child, um, when we would do our family trips to Disneyland and when we would go hang out at the pool, like whatever hotel we were staying at and seeing the 747s on approach and depart or flying out of departure from LAX as well. Mm -hmm. and i can just remember just seeing those 747 silhouettes and back then it was 747 200s um uh you know this is before the the 300 and 400 series came out and Mm -hmm. and just thinking how massive they were and just how impressed um
2: i miss seeing the 727s those i i really miss that aircraft
3: so I'd say that's probably some of my, my earliest memories that I can I can recall. I, I can remember our parents telling me that I loved the Channel 2 helicopter when I was a kid.
0: Oh, um, yes Here you locally did. in
3: Salt Lake. But I don't re- actually recall that. Uh, but I guess I just, I freaking loved that helicopter when I was a little boy.
1: Yep, Sky <laughs> 2. <was kinda> cool. <laughs> Sky I remember two. that was when we lived in Park City, actually. And, was it? Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, and, you probably remember that, that I love
3: that helicopter more than I do. Because Well, dad had, a little.
1: dad had called KUTV, the local mm-hmm. uh, um, CBS affiliate in Salt Lake City. I guess it was the NBC affiliate back then, actually, and uh, uh, told him your story about Sky 2. And I can't remember what it was, but they sent you a little model of the Sky 2 helicopter. <clears <clears <throat> Did they really? <laughs> yeah, That's do so you not cool. remember that? I'm just I'm just I, trying to I,
3: dude, I, I was so little, I don't remember. I'm just trying to
2: picture Aaron as a little fart knocker. Just a the helicopter
3: <laughs>
1: Oh, I would
3: have loved that thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, and 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 I also gosh, remember like Sky Two coming to your school or something? Or but maybe I'm remembering that completely wrong because I think that's something that you probably would have remembered. Yeah, so, I think
3: I would remember that too. I'll like ask like, Dad about
1: there. that next time I talk to him, and just yeah. and just see. But uh, but yeah, and it's funny too because your first memories, aviation memories, bring back some of mine, and and so we'll have to. We're not uh, talking oh, yeah. about you. Can you let me finish <laughs> my goddamn sentence. Bring Sorry. back some of mine, and when you guys interview me, oh, I'll okay. be able to discuss them, but oh, I'll, I'll be able to remember one. Awesome. But, you know, while we're on the good. subject, so once I – I'm just kidding. So.
2: <laughs> what um, Can I go again? <laughs> yes, can I can again. again. All right, what yeah. about um, – why don't you let us all know some of um, the aircraft that you've flown on? I mean, we've all done some cool things as far as flying on aircraft goes, but I know you've had right. some pretty good experience just simply because of your involvement with, like, uh, photography and – you've been able to get press passes and things so why don't you just kind of tell everyone what you've maybe flown on and some of your experiences maybe your favorite ones and 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 i want to hear everything that you've flown on
3: yeah so Uh, obviously you know over the years i've flown on a lot of a lot of different cool stuff um i would say you know some of the highlights you know the most exciting flights that i've been on um you know i'll start out with uh going up um in a p51 mustang um that definitely is one of the most amazing experiences of my life um the uh, late great russ mcdonald uh who lived up in the park city heber area here in utah had a beautiful uh, p51 that he kept at the um airfield up there in heber city they actually named that airfield after him. it's now called russ mcdonald field um but uh, doing <laughs> we loops and barrel today. rolls and yeah, mock we strafing runs uh, up in the mountains <clears throat> up there was just probably badass <laughs> yeah i'll bet um uh you know and and the fact that you're about to go up in an aircraft where you're briefed on how your parachute works and if i say si- if if He says to bail out i just need to make sure i get that canopy off and i'm out (laughs) (laughs) and and that's what you do there's no ejection seat in your p51 uh but you do wear a parachute and if there is something wrong uh that thing doesn't really glide well so you're gonna probably bail out wow um so that was pretty damn cool um uh p51 um i'll stay on warbirds for a second um I've been up in a B-25 Mitchell. Uh, that was badass, too. Um, you know, the uh, B-25 I flew on, uh, it's named uh, Super Rabbit. <laughs> and it's currently uh, in Oklahoma City, actually. It's changed a couple of different owners since I flew on it. Mm. Um, but that was a crazy experience because I, I got a fly... Took off in the nose, so in the bombardier position in the nose, which is really cool. Um, and then halfway through the flight, I uh, went up to where the cockpit area is. There, there's some seating, like, right behind where the pilot and co-pilot are. And then you have to um, scrunch through, like, where, where the wing and, and where the, um, the bomb bay is. There's actually a little it's, – it's just a little, like, rectangular – uh, crawl path that you you crawl over the bomb bay, and then get to the back of the aircraft and and I have some photos like in the in the tail gunner position looking forward, which is cool. And we That's flew in cool. formation with with some other aircraft like a uh, an Avenger, a uh, Bearcat, and also a C forty six Commando. So that was
0: that was really cool. Yeah, and
2: if you look on our Instagram at Ramp Check Global, I I think you have posted some of these photos. So yeah. If yeah, you guys want I have. i and I've check posted, them out.
3: Uh, a number of those, and probably post some more. You know, we'll post some photos from some of our experiences. You know, as we do these mm-hmm. these interviews. But but yeah, that was awesome. Uh, been up in a B seventeen as well. Um, in Sentimental Journey, which is based in uh, Arizona, um, but I'll I bet did that slide memories. up here in Utah. Um, again, you know, when you go up in a warbird, you really gain that perspective of what it would have been like to fight, you know, in battle in these aircraft. And it just gives you all the respect in the world for these guys that were, you know, up there, you know, whether they're fighting in the Pacific or they were fighting over in Europe, the conditions that they fought in. I mean, it was, you know, freezing at altitude. It was, it was hot in the aircraft. I mean, it's it's crazy what they went through mm-hmm. and that they fought in these things. I mean, it's just a tiny piece of aluminum separating you from the enemy outside and you and your aircraft. I mean, it's unbelievable.
2: Yeah, I feel like the movie Memphis Belle kind of, mm-hmm. you know, depicts that pretty well. Of yeah. What it would have been like to be for sure. in like a B-17. Yeah. Scary. Movie.
3: Definitely. Yeah. And, you know, and most most of these uh, warbirds that like the Commemorative Air Force um, and then other owners operate museums a lot of museums have um aircraft that they fly and you know pay the money go do it go fly in these things you will not you won't regret it you know go drop a grand go whatever the cost is it's worth it i promise you you definitely need to do it it's so it's incredible Uh, even if it's just a couple you know hops around the pattern at the airport just to be able to go up Mm -hmm. um do it it's money well worth spent. Put it on a damn credit card, for crying out loud. I mean, you only live <laughs> once. You might as well just do it.
0: That's right. So Amen.
3: I you know, recommend that. Um, I've been up with the Army Golden Knights several times uh, in their C-31 aircraft, uh, which is awesome. They actually don't fly the C... Well, they're actually working on completely retiring the C-31s um, just because they're kind of getting old. And But, uh, you know photographing those guys jumping out the aircraft, um, on several occasions. That's an awesome, uh, opportunity that I've had. Um, you know, it's funny because on that flight, you you know, you're on the ground, you know, it's 80, 90 degrees when you're sitting on the ramp and then you get up to altitude where these guys jump out and it is freezing. (laughs) Did you go up in shorts one time? One time I went up in shorts, and I tell you what, I'll never do it again. My <laughs> legs were numb when we landed. It was so cold.
2: <laughs> they're probably all just looking at you. They're like, look at this guy.
3: Well,
0: oh, they're yeah, going to they're each like, other. Should we say something? Ass. Should we tell them? <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, it was that's cool. And you know, and and, and um, I, I have to mention um, Aviation Photo Journal, and my friend uh, Rick and, and my friend Dan, they uh, I met Rick at an air show years ago, and uh, they actually have uh, given me a lot of, you know, a lot of these opportunities I'm talking about, uh, you know, um, uh, with some of these flights that I've been up. Um, and so I just have to, you know, drop Aviation Photo Journal. They're, you know, just aviation enthusiasts like we are. They, they focus on, you know, putting out an aviation um magazine online and so that's that's all they focus on is the photography and everything and so it's been a great opportunity i've done a lot of aviation photography um and that's what got me a lot of these cool opportunities um i would say the last flight that i'll mention and the reason why it is last is because it's probably the most unique even though flying and warbirds is extremely, you know, unique and a huge privilege. Um, but, uh, I actually got to go up with, uh, helicopter pilot legend, Chuck Aaron. And some of you probably know Chuck Aaron is, he used to fly the Red Bull helicopter at air shows for years. And he just retired recently over the last couple seasons. Um, but he was the one that would do aerobatics at air shows in his uh, BO-105 helicopter that, that uh, Red Bull actually hired him to modify the helicopter for aerobatics at air shows.
2: Yeah, that and, thing's nuts. That is a bad and that, helicopter.
3: <laughs> and that's what he did. And and speaking of flip-flops and flying, and I'm sure Chuck's okay, I mean, he always wore flip-flops. It was so funny. <laughs> no, he really? on the flight I was on. <laughs> he's, he's got his freaking Red Bull helmet on, and he's got his shorts on, and flip. <laughs> it was so Jeez. funny. You know, you know, he's need to put um, a couple of dude. your video
2: clips on the Instagram of you doing like barrel rolls in 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 that flight with him.
3: Yeah, it was it was so cool. It was so unique. It was it was almost surreal because you do these maneuvers, but you don't really feel them. Um, most of it is just positive G. I mean, you, you don't, you don't really feel, I mean, yeah, we did, we did a couple loops. Uh, we did some barrel rolls. Um, you know, I mean, it was incredible, uh, in a helicopter. Um, so I was blown away with that. I mean, that was such an awesome opportunity. And were you I got so many like, videos and photos and.
2: Were you pretending um, like you were in blue thunder? <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Exactly. <laughs> that would have been funny if he <laughs> gave you a Jaffo hat at the end of your flight. I
3: know. I think we were talking about that a little while ago. <laughs> Jaffo. Hashtag Jaffo. We,
1: we need to have one of those like hats, that. so in case any of us ever get to go up with somebody, we can wear it, and we can see if uh, if see anybody if recognizes what, what it is. Yeah.
3: Or what it is. Yeah. Yeah, so so I would say that was probably the most unique flight Um you know, and I probably shouldn't say that one last. I mean, I, I did go up in a KC-135 refueling mission, which was awesome. That was, uh, Tony, your old unit. Yes. Wasn't it the 151st? Uh-huh.
1: Were, weren't you part of the 151st? Well, it 120th? was the 151st air refueling group. I think it's the air refueling wing now. But uh, Yeah. And uh, yeah. my squadron was the 191st air refueling oh, okay. squadron.
3: So Okay, gotcha. So anyway, I went up, you know, in KC-135. We refueled A-10s over Idaho, which was awesome. Nice. Um, beautiful scenery, you know, flying by the, the, the Tetons up, you know, up in that area uh, where Yellowstone is and, you know, Idaho beautiful and, you know, rendezvoused with like four or five A-10s out of, you know, the Idaho Air National Guard. Mm-hmm. So that was badass. Um that was an amazing opportunity too. But, Those
0: refueling uh,
2: missions were yeah. fun. so, um, just because Tony was right, this part because you've flown on so damn many aircraft. Um, just <laughs> yeah. just to make this part a little quicker, name a list of um, passenger aircraft you've flown on, like airliners. Go.
3: Okay, <laughs> airliners. Yeah, for for sure. So. Quite a few. So, I have flown on um, a 727, 737, 747, uh, 757, 767, and 777. Damn. Um, so, quite a few there. Um, looking forward to one day flying on a Dreamliner, 787. Mm-hmm. Can't wait for that. <clears throat> um, I have flown an MD-80, which is kind of similar to what a 717 is. Right. <laughs> so. I guess technically you could say 7-7, seven, seven, kind of. But uh, um, So MD-80, um, Airbuses, I've been in A319, 20, and 21, um, you know, CRJ200, 700. Um, you know, that's probably all the passenger aircraft I've flown.
2: All right, what um, about... Um, what about regional jets? Yeah. Oh.
3: Oh, yeah, so the very end I, I mentioned the CRJ-200 yeah,
2: and the 700s. Oh, you did? Yeah. Um, what yeah. about yeah. general aviation? What about name those? A- anything <clears throat> from like a yeah, sure. little 152 so, to anything?
3: Yeah, definitely. A um, couple that come to mind right off the top of my head, a couple of the most awesome ones were when I flew in a Lear 23. Uh, that was pretty damn cool. Um, that's old, a really early, (laughs) early serial number too. So, you know, one of the original Learjet type aircraft, Mm -hmm. um, a Falcon 50, which was pretty cool. Um, sweet, you know, yeah, just, and and just opportunities working the wrap. I'm sure you guys have got some cool stories too. you know, working the wrap, Ryan, you've already talked about, uh, stealing a flight with my best friend in a Bell 407 <laughs> working the ramps. So,
0: yep.
3: uh, so you've got that one on me. But, uh, you know, lots of Cessna's, Pipers, you know, Cessna 120, tell Dragger. That was pretty cool. Nice. Uh, 152. I actually have some, some flight time in a 152. I've logged, I don't know, like 13 hours.
1: Yay. But <laughs> anyway. It was, but hey, it's more than I have.
3: That was kind of fun. You're yeah. Qualified. Well, and, you know, I actually. Flying a 152, I've actually, uh, with my instructor, we transitioned through Class B airspace, and I, I did the radios and did all the flying, so good job myself on the back. Good,
2: good job, brother. There <laughs> you go, brother. You know, it was, I I, <laughs> I, I, I know the story is about you, but I just got to add a quick story. I loved when I worked at Pro, the small Provo Airport um, in right, Provo, Utah, yeah. and uh, one of the flight schools there the college had a flight school and i used remember when we used to carry around the scanners when we worked the line and, oh, <laughs> and i yeah. loved when you'd hear the mic click and then click off and then you'd hear it click on again and stuck and then you'd hear him go like what what, what do i say
0: <laughs> this, i
2: know I this know. is Katana niner niner charlie tango um taking the active click click oh, okay okay I click
3: <laughs> i know that I know. was so that was funny, funny. You, you hear that all day dude.
1: <laughs> we're, we're fine here. how are you <laughs>
2: yeah but anyway didn't mean to get off
3: on that but um no no that's 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 fine that and provo back in the day that was the perfect place to do that, though, because there wasn't a tower or anything, so yep. you, you only sounded like an idiot to the guys that were in the pattern. <laughs> that's it. Yep, <laughs> that's right. But uh, anyway, um, I have flown on a, a Cessna two hundred six air on floats, which was pretty cool. Oh, that's um, cool. That that was pretty awesome. Um, you know the Piper Archer, Warrior, uh, Turbo Arrow. Um, um, did you ever go, Ryan? Did you ever go flying with? Uh, Chris Dell and I and that I, Turbo Arrow that Millionaire Pro had that they rented.
2: Yep the the gray and white one the T tail. Yeah yeah, um,
3: yeah that yeah exactly that Turbo Arrow that was fun. Yep I remember that, that thing had some power Chris, that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Anyway and then I've I've been in like an Embraer one seventy um, ATR seventy two down in the Caribbean, um. You know, Rotary Wing, I've, I've you know, flown in a, a 206 Jet Ranger, also a Long Ranger, 206L. Um, the, of course, the BO-105 with Chuck Aaron. And and I have been on one um, test flight with uh, the local, the other local helicopter uh, medevac company, Life Flight, up here and one of their Augusta, the A-109s. Nice. Which is pretty cool. So, You know, quite a variety. Um, Any opportunity that I get to go up and fly, I'm totally there. Yeah, and
2: (laughs) so it's pretty safe to say, I mean, not pilot hours, but you've logged quite a few hours in quite a few different aircraft. Yeah, I've
3: been up in the air quite a few times. And most of these aircraft, too, I've actually serviced when I work the ramp or de-ice.
2: So
3: it's pretty badass to... I see both perspective.
2: kind of know them in inside out and everything.
1: Um, well, and that, mm-hmm. <clears throat> that kind of brings us to our next uh, question. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, we're running a little bit long here, but uh, you know, it's our first interview session. So why the hell not? <laughs> That's right. Uh, so and, and we're, just, we're used to running long too. <laughs> yes, we are. So give us a quick rundown on who you've worked for and where. And who got oh, me your okay. first uh, job in the aviation industry? <laughs> it's not about you, Tony. Oh, damn it. <laughs> well, let's
3: see. My brother, Ryan. No, I'm just Hey, hey, um, hey,
1: hey.
0: <laughs> damn. Um,
3: so my very, very, very first job in aviation was actually in Denver, Colorado, um, with United Express. And my big brother, Tony, actually took me to the um, – the job hiring fairy, you remember that? Oh yeah. Um, and that's that's how I got my very first uh, aviation job. Just basically, uh, um, pushing back and loading uh, Dash eights, uh, a ton of Dash eights for United Express.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I hated loading and unloading the, my- the Dash eights. <laughs> oh, those
3: are the worst. I know th- those things. You really had to re- watch the weight, and, and especially in um, oh oh the worst one was the beach 1900s. We did those too.
2: Yes. Yeah. Uh, Kill me now.
3: Those things, man. It's like if if it was like 85 degrees or higher, you could only literally put like one bag.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know, right? And those it's things like, suck to fuel too,
1: especially in and oh, out of yeah. Denver, especially yeah
3: at, at DIA that high exactly. Well the thing seriously. that sucked
1: about working on the ramp in Denver, especially mm-hmm. with the Dash Eights, was um, yeah. that all of the all of the bags in the back were either gun cases or gun or cases skis. or skis.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. Gun yeah cases no, seriously, or skis. you're right. Yeah. I mean anybody and everybody you know, they flew those dash eights to every little airport in the Rockies there in Colorado. It was mm-hmm. crazy. Everybody go there to, for hunting. and hunting. Yeah. Crazy. So, so that was my very first job, Denver. And then I moved back to Salt Lake city, got a job with Hudson general, which was a, which was an FBO there in Salt Lake city, Utah. Uh, that's where my first uh, run in with corporate aviation and general aviation. Um, some uh, commercial, um, on the other side, that's actually when I met, uh, Hess, our buddy has that's when Ryan and I both met him. Yeah. Well, actually I met has working for Hudson general. Ryan met him when Hess and I were working for millionaire, which yep. brings me to the next company. And then that was millionaire that I worked for, um, in Salt Lake city and also Provo. Um, I helped them open their, uh, Provo FBO, um, by transferring down there when, when they open that up. um, And so that, and had a little stint at the Hebrew City Airport. Um, The problem with that was I was trying to bring world-class FBO service to a little podunk (laughs) airport at the time. And the managers who ran that FBO up there didn't understand that. And so they would, like, get pissed at me when I'd go out of my way to put a carpet down or, you know, go out of my way to you know, to run a pilot to the store to, you know, to the convenience store even. How dare so you they make someone's
2: visit better?
3: Yeah, no, exactly. How, how dare I go out of my way to make sure our customers are taken care of? You know, they would get annoyed when I would warm up rental cars and take them out to the aircraft. And so wow. it just didn't laugh.
0: Um,
3: it, it was it was so. Annoying. And so I, you know, I, you know, so anyway. Um, to be fair, you know, I, I got pissed and I stopped coming to work on time, you know, so it was a mutual thing when, when it finally happened, but, uh, yeah, they just didn't want to run a real FBO. And so yeah. I think they just wanted somebody to, you know, pack, you know, <laughs> uh, ball bearings and, and aircraft in the hangar, you know, on my off time and not help out with customers. And so anyway, um. So there was that, and then um, and then I moved down to Arizona and worked for Gateway Aviation Services. Um, that was probably, other than Salt Lake City and deicing, icing uh, working down at uh, uh, Gateway Aviation, uh, which was at Williams, the retired Williams Air Force Base, I guess they they renamed it Gateway, um, but it used to be Williams Air Force Base where a lot of Air Force pilots were trained. Um turned it into a civilian that was when uh president clinton cut a bunch of air force bases and that was one of them. right um but that was cool because a lot of military still flew in and out of there um I a lot here. of uh, marines did air force um tony if you recall that's the uh n225 actually came into there while i was working there and we went out there and watched it and and uh you know went up in it when I was on the ground and and that that was pretty damn cool. Um but geez, yeah, I mean down there I serviced everything from the world's largest aircraft, the AM two twenty five, to C five galaxies, C seventeens. Uh Boeing did a ton of hot weather testing out there with their triple sevens. Um uh their seven eight seven Dreamliner. Um gosh harriers were in all the time f-18s uh f-5s um c-2s uh there were ea6b growlers in it i mean it was it was pretty cool that was probably the most fun that i've had working Mm -hmm. just because of the variety of aircraft and how much i learned when i was it was so much fun yeah that looked uh, fun
1: yeah that that an225 was just crazy
3: <laughs> I know. It was so big. That was Just so cool. Huge.
1: Well, the tow bar
0: itself
1: <laughs> would give any yeah. other tow bar a serious case of tow bar envy. <laughs> yeah.
3: I know. The, the tow bar was probably like the length of a 737. Oh, <laughs> seriously. Easily. It, it was so
2: long. <laughs> That's
1: awesome. It was crazy. had
3: the girth on that thing.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: All right. Next subject. <laughs>
3: So anyway, and then so after Gateway Aviation and then I moved back to Utah, uh and then I I ran a short stint at uh with a company called ASIG where I was the DICE operations manager. Um you know, we took care of a lot of airlines, uh, US Airways, American, UPS, um, you know, United, United Express, all those and so that was a lot of fun. I I trained About 50 to 60 de-icers every season. Uh, And we kicked ass. We did awesome. I mean, the customer satisfaction during those two years when I ran the show was awesome. Um, Didn't get along at all with uh, my general manager. And so... Hmm,
2: There seems um, to be a recurring theme here with (laughs) managers managers in aviation. (laughs) What's that? There seems to be a recurring theme with managers um, in aviation. Anyway...
3: Exactly. I, I don't understand that either. It's like why when you get a GM job in aviation, do you have to turn into the biggest dick like
2: don't? <laughs> it could be if one of the GM, best jobs
1: in the world. Yeah. Well, if, because if, if if my experience is uh, like anybody else's, they the GMs that get hired have no fucking clue what they're doing in the aviation business anyway. Right. Yeah. So a, a that's why right. when somebody comes along that actually knows their shit, the GM gets intimidated, and then yeah. they try and yeah. eliminate the people that are threats. But that's a whole other thing. Yeah. So, see, my, um, the,
3: the GM that I worked for, he he was a ramper. He grew up a ramper, just like all of us were. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead of like using that as you know, experience and learning how you would have want to have been treated when Mm -hmm. you were a ramper, he turned it around and took it out on him. Oh, of course. Yeah. And that's the worst that you could do. I mean, the the worst thing you could do is run an operation, you know, like you're running a kindergarten, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and unfortunately, well, like I get it. A lot of those jobs are just entry level people or, guys that are really immature and are down on luck or you know somebody just trying to make a quick buck mm-hmm. um and so you do have to deal with a lot of immature people and i did in my DIS ice department i mean there was yeah there's some guys that you well, know company regulations wouldn't allow me to suspend them but you know what i could not schedule them and that's what i would do Yeah, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and so you know it's but but the thing is is and if you're a GM listening to this or, or you're just a regular ramp worker, and one day you know you're going to be in a management position or whatever, don't, don't let it go to your head. Just understand you're all there to get a job done. you know you're all there to be professional. Treat people with respect. Lead. Yes. Lead by example. Don't sit there and delegate shit and then sit on your ass and be lazy, right. Like, Go lead by example, and people will pick up on it. Mm-hmm. Right. And and that's how you get people to respond. You know, go out, help them fuel. Go out, help them do this. I mean, you don't, you don't have to do that all the time because I understand. Like, I remember when I was ice operation manager, we were getting audited all the time just because that's, that's the regulations. Like, you had to make sure your paperwork was all in order. Not because right. we were doing anything wrong, but just because – that's what had to happen all the airlines always had to keep their their records up to date we had to keep their records up to date so I couldn't always be out there on the ramp
1: well yeah but whenever if,
3: I could I'd be out there just be like if hey you know if, great if you're job. De-icing, um,
1: if you're deicing for like six different airlines that's six different customers you're gonna get audited by and so exactly yeah, it just exactly never ends. so
3: I was doing paperwork it seemed like all yeah. the time exactly and training records and all that but you know and and, and the thing is 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 not everybody's going to be great at what they do but point out the good mm-hmm. give them constructive feedback and and you know keep training them and then eventually if somebody is just like oh my god this just isn't gonna work just be honest don't like beat around the bush or be a dick and be like oh dude you're freaking idiot but just be like dude Hey, we've trained you. I've trained you personally. I've worked with you on this and this and this. You know, we got you passed on your paperwork, but I just don't think this is the job for you, man. You just can't seem to get it.
0: Right. Yeah. <laughs> and,
3: like, just being, like, you don't have to be an asshole. <laughs> yeah, you, know? you don't. That's, exactly. That's probably the biggest thing that I, I took out of working in aviation all these years is, is you really don't have to be a dick right you don't <laughs> don't be a dick <laughs> yeah don't be a dick like don't be a prick you know just so yeah, i don't know all right we, we could go we
1: could do a whole other episode on that but anyway we already have so and i'm sure we will again so uh <laughs> that's the beauty of podcast exactly uh okay so one last question for you aaron and yeah. I hate to put you on the spot on this one, but, you know, we're all going to get asked uh-huh. the same question. We've all, throughout our entire lives, just had all these amazing, crazy aviation experiences throughout our whole life. If mm-hmm. you could narrow down to one, your top, your greatest aviation experience that you've had in your lifetime, what would it be?
3: Oh... Damn, that is a hard one. Um
1: <laughs> I'm looking at a list right now and I know exactly which one mine would be if I were you.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you
1: know,
3: I I would have to say, I mean Oh jeez. It's pretty crazy, but I don't know. I, I guess I'd have to go back to that flight with Chuck Aaron.
1: Oh, yeah? That is pretty amazing.
3: Don't get me I wrong. I mean, yeah, I mean, to do aerobatics in a helicopter and, you know, that opportunity. I mean, not many people in the world. Man. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
1: well, since you've already told gosh, us about I don't, I don't, that.
3: I don't know, but, I mean, what, what, <clears throat> what, were you think, what would have been your gap, what I would have said?
1: Meeting the STS-107 crew and okay.
3: getting a patch from yeah, them. Yeah, I
1: mean, I mean that's pretty amazing. Actually, that, and it's that is pretty amazing
3: and, and it was re- extremely humbling i to be honest with you when you asked me the question you know when when you asked you know the way that you did i i figured it was like an experience or like when i was up in the air or something like mm-hmm. that um but but i can just explain how humbling and amazing that was when i worked in mesa uh, arizona the crew of the sts 107 um uh, Columbia disaster uh, back in two thousand and three. Uh, those of you that that probably know about that, the space shuttle Columbia disintegrated on reentry um, because of a piece of foam that flew off the external tank on launch and actually put a huge crack and hole in the leading edge mm-hmm. of um, of the space shuttle wing and it destroyed the shuttle. Well, that whole crew, uh, a lot of NASA astronauts would actually fly in and out of this airport because it was a perfect place to stop and get fuel, get some lunch, um, you know, between whether they were training on the West Coast or Houston. It was like a perfect spot, space, a spot to stop between Houston and wherever they were going in California. Edwards Probably Air Force Edwards, Base,
0: yeah.
3: um, you know, wherever. And uh To meet them, I actually got a patch, an STS-107 patch from the crew that flew that flight. Um, They were passing through in uh, T-38, and I actually got to work those flights and marshal them out. Um, Very humbling, uh, crazy. I mean, when that morning when that all happened, I just remember feeling sick to my stomach. Like, Oh my God, just months ago, I met all those guys.
1: Mm. Yeah. That's, um, and it was so
3: sad, (laughs) you know? Um, I mean, when you go back and you watch, uh, the, the, the footage of everybody filming that space shuttle reentry, because it was, it was actually a pretty unique reentry, because it was coming clear over the United States.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And it was in the middle of... It was late. Like, it was early, early morning. So mm-hmm. it was dark still outside.
1: Yep. I, um, I was working that morning. And we all went outside. Uh, yeah. Got up on the roof of SkyWest uh, when I was at work and we watched it and it's like, you were it comes, in Southern Utah comes. in St. George, Utah. Right. And that was, it flew directly over St. George. Yes, it did. And it broke up directly over St. George too. Yeah. It started, uh, it
3: started, uh, shedding pieces. If, if you go look it up, you know, on online and you start looking at these videos, you can actually see pieces of the wing shedding.
1: Well, and, and we had never, I had never seen, and, uh, a spaceship re-enter the atmosphere so I didn't know yeah. if that was just it, it looked so weird that there were the pieces that were separating off of it and we didn't yeah. know but then it just was gone and yeah yeah it and then we well it moves across the
3: sky so if I mean yeah yeah, you know, it's going Mach 20 or whatever, Mach 25 when mm. it enters the atmosphere or whatever it is. But, I mean, it's, but
1: we kind of realized that something wasn't quite right, and then we went inside and we're watching it. And then, you know, then the stories were starting to break that, uh, no pun intended, that the shuttle had actually broken up on reentry. And I remember the FAA yeah. uh, releasing... <laughs> um or restricting certain airspace because of this big swath of debris that was in the atmosphere and yeah it was it was interesting
3: they actually were even searching for debris in saint george utah because of some of the footage
1: yep they they definitely were yeah just so sad and uh but what a neat experience to be able to meet them
3: yeah that that was that was very very cool um uh, yeah, amazing. Um, just kind of puts everything into perspective. You know, those astronauts, pilots, uh, you name it. Um, you know, our military, mm-hmm. um, they put their lives at risk every day to make sure that our lives are better. So God bless them all, for absolutely. sure.
1: Absolutely. absolutely. Well, that kind of sounds like a, a good place to uh, maybe uh, end the podcast for the evening. Um, yeah. Lots of great experience and experiences for you. Um, you going to go next, little bit? Oh, 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 okay, oh! I have to. I have to say one more thing. I'll just be really quick. Okay. Um, since
3: everybody's, you know, been filming and seeing SpaceX, you know, launch all of these rockets lately and how cool it is. Well, yeah. I was in Southern California when the very last uh, Titan IV rocket was used for a NASA mission, oh, and wow. I actually. I wasn't at Vandenberg Air Force Base, but I was in San Diego. And um, I specifically went outside from the resort I was staying at and looked for it. I was tracking it on my my iPhone. And, uh, you know, it launched and everything. And I went out and I saw the actual plume going up through the atmosphere. So that was pretty damn cool. The uh, Titan 4 was a converted um, Titan 4 ballistic missile that the air force used Mm -hmm. um and then when they upgraded all their uh intercontinental ballistic missiles uh, nasa actually used a bunch of titan 4s to launch satellites and missions so that was the very last one so anyway i only bring that up because we were just talking about nasa and everything and that was also a
0: pretty cool experience
1: i've seen a launch (laughs) from vandenberg at sunset uh, here. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Or I should say after after the sun has gone down. Yeah, it's pretty amazing to see. So, um, Aaron, while we're still talking about you, why don't you let everybody know... Uh, oh, I was going to say, Ryan, uh, you want to go next?
0: So yeah,
1: next episode. Guys, yeah, cool. sure, I'll go next. Okay. Cool. And are you going to remember to bring the damn aircraft challenge next time? Yeah, well, we don't want to disappoint <laughs>
2: everyone out there, so we'll bring
3: it. <laughs> so I, I, I told Jessica, my wife, she said, "Did you guys do the aircraft challenge last time? I said, "No, because all of our significant others were telling us to stop." She's all stopping. No, <laughs> no, we're going to do it again. We just didn't have it with us. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, um, so Aaron, tell us uh, where can everybody find you on social media? Yeah. So follow me
3: on Instagram at Aaron Rumfollow. Um, also, I post a lot of stuff on our uh, Ramp Check instagram which is at ramp check global and uh yeah give me a follow and uh check out all my photography and a lot of my experiences and a lot of what i do in aviation i post about a lot too plus i have a really hot wife and a really cute little kid right now and then the rest of my family with all my other kids so there you go
1: all right ryan
2: uh mine's very simple just at rum follow me Okay. Sorry. We will. Well, every time I, <laughs> every time we do this, I I feel like I've said it a million times. So just Is at Rumfollow okay. we
3: might we might have had uh, listener number eight. Join. That's
2: right. That's that's true. <laughs> exactly. So, at Rum Follow me, please, or um, at Ramp Check Global.
1: Yep, and you can find me uh, at T Rum Follow. That's uh, the letter T followed by RumFollow. Follow. Um, <laughs> And of course, I'm, I'm posting every now and then as well on uh, our Ramp Check, which is at Ramp Check Global. And uh, don't yeah. forget about our Twitter page as well. So yep. uh, we'll post on Twitter. Yep, our Twitter is the same as our Instagram. And it's also <laughs> my <laughs> same. <saying>. Damn. <Yeah. laughs> anyway, uh, so that does it for another edition of the Ramp Check Podcast. Don't forget, uh, you can check us out on uh, Google Podcasts. Uh, Apple Podcasts. If you're listening on Apple, please make sure that you subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron. <laughs> What? Ryan,
3: what Ryan just text me And, it, it, and I'm thankful I'm not down there you, you,
1: you guys are You're talking smack about your big brother And I just got to see it come up on my phone Anyway um, If you're listening on Apple Podcasts Make sure you subscribe uh, Share it with your family and friends And uh, as they say On one of my favorite podcasts Hey do us a solid Give us a five star rating Would ya um, and, There you uh, go Anyway, uh, that does it for another edition of the Ramp Check Podcast. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Uh, If you haven't heard all of our episodes, this is episode number 13 or 14, I believe. Uh, So, yeah, we're getting up there. We are getting up there. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And um, I would say we'll see you next time and close it out, but I know Ryan's got to say. Yeah,
2: so we'll see you guys in about 14
1: days. Good day.